we are creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is the Working Artist Project. I'd rather be smart and single than foolish and in love. I'd rather be wise and lonely than compromise my zeal and pride. For me, it's the only way I must. You just heard the voice of today's guest. He's a wonderful singer, poet, writer, and all around just amazing human being. The name of his sophomore record is Single and in Love. We explore this concept, single and in love. And Charles so eloquently told us that the love part is about self-love. And it's, it's important because sometimes in life we forget to love ourselves first. And in order to extend the olive branch of love to someone else or something else, you must be full. You must be full of self-love. You must be full of confidence. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this show. I think you guys are going to enjoy Charles's music, his energy, his vibe, and his insight. So sit back, relax, and take a listen. I want to welcome the one and only Charles Turner to the Working Artist Project. Hello, 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 Darren. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. So we're here today uh, to figure out who you are, man. Or well, You know who you are, but we don't know who you are. So if you can, <laughs> I would hope I know who I am. <laughs> if you could just give my audience like, you know, the overview of your life, where you come from uh, and uh, how you got to be in New York City. Cool. Yeah. I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. I'm a singer. First of all, um, I sing all genres, but I would say my forte is under the umbrella of what we call jazz, I guess. Um, not, I guess. Uh-huh. So um, I started singing when I was very young. Both of my parents sing. My uncle sings. My grandparents on my dad's side um, were vocalists. They met each other in choir and church. So um, a long lineage of musicians and vocalists in my family. So I started singing in church. Um, When I became a teenager, I kind of got interested in jazz. My dad's from New Orleans, so there's that that whole influence. A lot of people don't know that about my family, that my dad's from New Orleans. Um, and so I got into jazz, and my dad gave me some tapes of John Hendrix and George Benson. And so I really liked it and had a knack for it. And my choir at high school had a great vocal jazz program. And then it just dominoed from there. College at Berklee College of Music, um, finished there, and then moved to New York to pursue my professional career. That's what's up, man. You know, I, you know, I love people from New Orleans. I used to live there, and so it's a holds a special place in my heart for sure, man. You know? Yeah, it's a definitely a special place. Yeah, <laughs> it, right. It's unique, man. So it's interesting that you say you, you sing all genres, you know, because for me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. When I hear you, I immediately hear like 
jazz right away, you know, or what I, I like to call it black American music. Right. And more so than a lot of singers on the scene, like, and how did that happen? Or, or do you have the ability to be like, I'm singing this right now. I'm going to do that. I'm into my gospel mode. I'm going to hit my Dunny McClurkin on them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I really, some people, and that is probably going to be the, a topic. A lot of people mesh a lot of different genres together mm-hmm. And although I think that they all have fluidity within one another, and you do definitely hear, like I was just listening recently to um, this old, uh, Bessie Smith was singing After You've Gone, but she was like, after you've gone, and like, like it was so like Aretha, which translates to like, you know, into Whitney and other things. And it's like, so all of this music is, um, can be fluid. But I think that there are still certain things that compartmentalize them within genre. And um, so like, I grew up in the church. So, yes, I, I can and do sing gospel if need be. But my voice does have um, nuances that change when I'm singing jazz. Man, that's interesting because, like, I think what happened was, like, when when uh, jazz was put in university and it was codified to be this one thing. Like, for instance, say someone comes from the hood, right? And they're singing uh, like they come out of the church and they're singing after you gone right away. The teacher's going to be like, nope, that doesn't sound like Lena Horne or that doesn't sound like X, Y, Z. And but Bessie Smith had the freedom to be Bessie Smith. And so that 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 in itself kind of like stifles maybe a lot of creativity. I completely agree. And it was crazy. I, we were, I was sitting out um, at a pool. We were listening to this and I was thinking in my mind how many people do kind of become discouraged to do jazz because um they don't necessarily um fit into the what people think of you know like a billy holiday or mm-hmm. ella fitzgerald um so i do think that it does stifle some people's creativity and and inviting other people especially people that have other backgrounds like gospel or r&b to be more involved in um, singing jazz right right yeah, man. I don't know, man. We got to be more open, you know. I and- agree within reason. <laughs> you know. What do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, for me personally, like I'll give you an example. A friend of mine was saying like um she was doing the Berkeley tours years ago cuz we used to do these tours where we'd have stu- students come in. Mm-hmm. Like from other schools? From other schools, okay. yeah. And we okay. would show them Berkeley and there was oh, this girl, she's our best jazz singer in our yeah. school and she was singing uh, Bewitched, Be Bothered, Bewitched, Bothered, be, and Bewildered. Uh-huh. And she's like, you know, it comes from a gospel background. And she's like, I'm wise again, being out again. And it's like, <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Like, there, there is still a... And so my friend was like, you mean, I'm wild again. And this person, she comes from a gospel background, mm. but also sings jazz. So there are still... You know, that is you as a gospel singer mm. singing a standard, just as, you know, just as if you were like a, if you're a classical singer, like Sarah Vaughn had, you can hear classical mm. upbringing, but there's still going to be a difference between a straight up classical operatic vocalist singing a standard and her. Yeah. No, no, no. That makes like maybe people who aren't musicians listen to this don't understand that. Every genre has a language, right. so to speak. We call it a language. Right. So, like, there's a gospel language, and there's a jazz language, there's a rock language, and so on and so forth. So, what you just demonstrated was that. Right. It was like, 
you getting with the gospel thing, but no, we got our own language over here that you got to deal with. That you have to pay attention to mm-hmm. if you want to be, you know, if you want to be in this specific music. Right. You yeah. know. If, if you want it to sound authentic, you know. Like, yeah. You, know, you can't, like, go to church and start swinging out. You know? No. <laughs> You're supposed to be on a bump. It ain't going to yeah, work. It's just know? not. <laughs> yeah. Now, I want to get right into your, your new record, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, this is your second record. Yes. Single and in love. Yes. And so I was letting my girlfriend check this record out. And we were like, damn, how can you be single and in love? How does that work? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's such a good question. Um, I mean, all this music is original music that I've written. And it is some of it is personal about my life. Some of it is perspective of other people's lives um, in New York City. I feel like New York City is such a complicated place when it comes to love um in general loving yourself loving being in love with someone so as i was writing the album and i looked at the 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 music i thought about okay there is definitely this love and this thing the first track is single and it's Mm -hmm. about leaving a relationship for the betterment of you as an individual so there's single and in love with myself so there's self-love okay and then there is music about the city like city life in manhattan so it's single and in love with with new york city okay and then there's another thing of um november which is about being in love but already feeling as if the love is fading Mm -hmm. so feeling single while in love Mm -hmm. so as i started to think about all the tunes this concept of single and in love and this phrase kind of a uh, has multifaceted meanings okay now i like this i, I want to go back to this <laughs> the first track single right so you, you you're saying how old are you 29 you're 29 so you're right there man like when you start to be about 30 yeah you're like you're like oh, okay i gotta get my shit together you know and you're like you said you're single but you need to learn how to love yourself Mm-hmm. which is something that takes, I don't know, I think it takes about 30 years to figure out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it took me about 30 years to figure the shit out, you know? And why Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think it takes so long for that type of thing to click? Or what happened personally in your life where you were like, you know what, I need to love myself first? You know, I think that it is, um, I feel like when you're younger, you're quick to, this has never necessarily been my story though, but I feel like people are quick to want to seek love and want to be with someone and have something. Mm-hmm. And then as you grow older, you realize that the best way to find something of substance business-wise, love-wise, is to have more preservation and to preserve your your spirit, your energy for the right situations. It could be preserving your energy for the right friendships, for the right love interests. And I feel like that's something that you learn older when you become older, which is what the song is about. Mm -hmm. It's about stepping away to preserve yourself for you to have what is really meant for you. Okay. Yeah. I like this. Y'all listen up. (laughs) This shit is free. It's not an easy task. It's not, I was just listening to a podcast this morning and they were talking about this subject, you know, like you get older and you're just trying to figure things out. And after a while, you're like, you know what? 
I have to do things that reward me also. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I can't just give, give, give and put myself in bad situations and it just never ends up good, you know? So you learn from trial and error maybe, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like the first line um, is I'd rather be smart and single than foolish and in love. Mm. And I felt like, well, this is, came from a personal experience, but I felt like the mantra that we often hear, especially in the jazz genre, is like young and foolish. And like, I'm so like wistfully in love. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, that can that can be a beautiful thing, but it can also be a very dangerous narrative um, being foolish with you know when you're when you're with someone in this time of day not only is it you lending them your mind and your spirit your body all mm-hmm. these different things and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be taken so um freely and so loosely and so that's really what that phrase came from i'd rather be smart and single than foolish and in love which is which reverses the the narrative of i feel um a good percentage of music and jazz standards so i right. wanted to just flip the script yeah for today to really give us something to, no that's good to live on <laughs> i'm always curious like why is it that love you know like i think love and sex are like the two most powerful things on the planet right and and how is it it always infiltrates our art you know like every artist in every genre talks about love you know right why why what is it what do you think it is about it that like i have to sing about this I find that it to be the most difficult thing that people have no control of. Mm. And I feel like you can control your atmosphere as much as you can as far as your business is concerned or school or even friendships. But sometimes you end up in situations where you just have no, you have no control um, and you're just in this emotion. I think that that's what's so fascinating about it is that there is, um, I don't know. It's I, it's either something that you either you grow up in a in a household of love, so therefore when you become an adult you seek the same thing, mm-hmm. or maybe you don't and you want to have maybe what was lacking yeah. when you were younger. Oh man. So yeah, sure. <laughs> I feel like either one of the two or whatever, it's always something that I think we all need and long for as human beings. Yeah. I want to take a minute, minute now to kind of listen to one of these songs and mm-hmm. it's uh wise man's lament. Mm-hmm. What is it? What does that even mean? Wise man's lament. So this is a, got me on the podcast. I'm a talker now. So, <laughs> um, so he's like, <laughs> I can see now. No, okay. <laughs> So um, I actually wrote Wise Man's Lament. Um, I was this was when I was working with uh, Mark Carey mm-hmm. during the Harlem sessions. Yeah. And I was so influenced by all the music that he was throwing at me. It was such an incredible time. So important for the development of me as a person and a vocalist, artist. This was the same time as the Republican debates. Oh shit! Okay. <laughs> and so I had been listening to all this Abby Lincoln and. Yeah. And and so I was watching our current president. Oh, to, <laughs> and the first line, I was in my room and I was like watching the debates and I'm just like, man, fools always seem so sure. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, man, that's a really good line. And yeah, then literally yeah. the rest, the rest of the song 
came all out like in one evening. Wow, wow. And it's really just about social injustice. Mm. It's about um, people fighting because of coming from different backgrounds, religions. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's, I visualize this person, God or whoever, I don't know. I've never, I never thought about it that way, but just kind of lamenting about what's happening now in our country in particular, but also in the world. So Mm -hmm. that's why it's wise man's lament. Wow. (laughs) That's deep. We'll take a listen right now. Yeah. Man only seeks to rule and then lies to prove that he's the jewel. Greed while the others bleed, praying down below while the high succeed. Hate is the luring bait when you're blinded waits to seal your fate. The world would be a marvelous place But the poor we get poor and the rich we embrace There are people who leave trace of distaste For the ones who belong to another creed or place And we live in an unconscious state Starting wars with our faces irate While our children follow this fly Generations of hurt, pain, and strife Yeah, so this this particular tune, I mean, just that whole speech you just gave, which was, <laughs> which was epic. <laughs> And true, and, and just and very uh, sincere and honest, like makes me think about what's happening now with, with my man who just got shot by the police officer, Mister John, uh, ten days ago in his own apartment. Oh, in his own apartment. Oh my god. Yeah. And and just what what happens on a daily basis here in America, you know, right. like how it, it seems like this music is kind of protesting that, it's kind of protesting the political climate and all of this stuff that our president stands for. And the thing, the way he treats women and everything, and the way he treat, you know, thinks about people who aren't white men, right? Like, do you try to take a stand with your music, or are you are are you like more in the background, or do you just come out and protest against things that you don't agree with? You know, I'm. I feel like there are a, everybody has their own way mm-hmm. of um, protesting in their own way of uh, fighting against injustice for people of color, for women, you know, for any kind of minorities or people who are, um, you know, not the majority and taken advantage of because of that. And I, my personal approach, I think is um, not so overt in the sense of I want to be, I want, I feel as though sometimes when, especially when you're dealing with, you know, people or let's say 
white people who sometimes may feel a little bit threatened, mm-hmm. like the whole Black Lives Matter. So then, right. well, all lives matter. Or <laughs> my life doesn't matter. So like sometimes right. when a, a statement is so clear cut and so blatant, mm-hmm. I find that there is um more of a a pushback for them to digest some of what you're trying to tell them. Mm-hmm. So um, a few examples. I'm very passionate. And a, a co- one of my roommates who's Caucasian said, you know, Charles, I feel like what you say is always very intelligent and people need to hear what you have to say. But, and this comes, this is like the cultural thing. Like sometimes when you start to get so, so passionate, mm-hmm. I I just feel like a little bit, you know, and it's not our job to be softer toned or anything for other people. But if I really want to get my point across, like, I have to take, I have to listen to what the the other side is saying for them to digest what they need to digest. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I'm trying to get this to sink into your head. Right, right. And I have found it to be, to be a little more collective, collected is a better approach. So, for example, with Wise Man's Lament, I was, I was going through, one of the lines is, um, there are people who leave trace of distaste for the ones who belong to another creed. And it, my decision was either creed or race mm-hmm. or creed or place. Mm. So I decided to use place mm. opposed to race mm-hmm. because I feel like people, it's already there. When you say another people who take trace of distaste for the ones who belong to another creed or place. Right. So you get the visual. You get people mm-hmm. who are against Muslims in, you know, in different places. I don't have to say race right, right. to get the point across. Mm-hmm. So I think that my approach is a little bit um it's present mm-hmm. but not to I don't know, you abrasive. Don't, you don't like right, abrasive. See, yeah. See, I'm like I'm crazy, so I'm like more like fuck you motherfuckers like yeah. <laughs> I have to kind of Rang that in and learn to say things in, in every aspect of my life where people can hear hear me. Yeah. You know, and that's that's definitely a human challenge. <laughs> you know. You know, it, yeah, it's 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 um like I said, there's a place for everyone. Right. There's a place for that person that maybe doesn't speak out, but is just present in an environment where maybe, you know, there are people that are not used to people of color around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to switch gears. I mean, it's kind of related to what we've been talking about, but Mm -hmm. uh, the concept of freedom, Mm -hmm. but freedom when it comes to music, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I don't know. I'm not a singer, but maybe as a singer, I don't know if you how free you feel to create the music that you hear versus or. Well, actually, I do do know this. The singers I work with sometimes feel pressure to create the music that the establishment wants to hear Mm -hmm. versus the music that they personally hear. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have any of those challenges? And if you do, like, how do you overcome them? I don't write music for anybody for a specific um, people to say this or that. Mm-hmm. It's just what comes to my mind. Like, at that time, this is like a minor bossa. I'm listening to Abby Lincoln. I'm working with Mark Carey. You're going to get a political piece that is you know reminiscent of what i'm listening to mm. if i'm doing a swing dance event then you know i'm influenced by other things so then you might i might write ooh la la which is right. like 
So I feel free when it comes to my writing. As I progress, though, I find that my writing is veering. I am also am cognizant of writing music that I think people will actually really want to listen to. Mm. What do you mean by that? So I have been, well, I'm talking about my other, my my album, but I have a new band that I'm developing. I don't okay. know if you're aware of. Okay. And um, it's three trio plus three horns. So mm-hmm. I've had, you know, Christmas McBride, all kinds of Sharif, Jeffrey Miller, Rob oh, yeah. Edwards, a bunch of guys. Okay. And um, because of the tapestry of the band, when I'm writing for it, I feel like it has a more, it's all swing music. And it has a more kind of commercial element, I find, hmm. um, opposed to I love single and in love, but it's more of a trio. Like even though I'm writing everything, it feels more like a, a a traditional, more quintessential jazz album. Right, right. So as I write more, I'm thinking for some reason my music is veering. I think in a more space where people, just, I just want to write things that people really want to listen to. Okay. Like, what kind of challenges have you overcome? Or, like, what's the biggest challenge you've overcome since moving to New York? Oh, man, that's a whole whole nother day. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've had crazy living experiences from bed bugs to, you know, crazy roommates and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, career-wise, I would say, like, you, you spoke about the hustle of a vocalist. Like, a great drummer or bass player can move to the city and pick up sideman gigs and make, you know, five or six hundred dollar gigs or whatever a week. Yeah. Vocalists don't have that luxury because unless we're doing a little bar gig, like if I'm doing you can do three gigs at Smalls in one week. Right. I can't. Right. So that creates um sometimes financial difficulty. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've had, I've had, I mean, a lot of us have had side jobs, but I've taken deliveries. I've done like all kinds of stuff. Um, so I think that the most difficult thing, you just have to stay consistent in New York city. It doesn't happen overnight. Like you can be the most talented person in the world and people will hear you and they'll be like, okay, cool. <laughs> right. There'll be another one next week. Bro. Yeah. They're like, okay, yeah, yeah. You sound great, man. And that's it. And you're like, yeah. but I'm awesome. Right. <laughs> so you got to like, just keep pressing forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny in New York because it's like, New York is like the NBA in my imagination. Like, you know, every person here was a superstar in their hometown, but then you get to the NBA no one cares that you scored 50 points a night at your high school or in college, you know. We all did that. So it just doesn't matter at all. So you have to find a way. You're already in the 2% top musicians in the world. Now you got to find a way to rise to the top of that, which is difficult to do, you know, without fucking people up. And- <laughs> no, it's, it's the most effective, though. Like, I will say being around... People like Shara Navy and Brianna and Milton was in town and um, Jasmia. 
Camille, like being around these vocalists, like stepped my game up and not, not everybody's so individual. So there's no like overt competition like that. But I remember, you know, just hanging out with Brie and just hearing her at a jam session and watch her just command a whole room with one note. Mm -hmm. And when you see your peers doing things like that, and maybe you feel like maybe, maybe I didn't hit it like that this time. You just start to, I will say this, like the biggest change talking about being around great talent. There's a video of, she may not know this. Maybe one day she'll hear this podcast. Cecile McLaren Savant and mm-hmm. Chardonnay did this jam. It's on YouTube. They were doing a, every kiss. Uh, you're beginning to be a habit. Habit with me, dear. And Cecile just started like holding this note and Chardonnay started floating around her. And it was an impromptu note that she was holding. And then she just held it for however long she wanted to. I said, I don't have that kind of control. Hmm. So then I went back and started taking more private classical lessons um, because I was like, I'd, I could I could not have been able to do that. So that's an example of just being around mm-hmm. other great young people and how they can influence you and push you to yeah. be better. That's that's great. That's a great example because it, it makes you better at what you do. So it's never a competition. It's just like, oh, that's no. dope. Like, I need to, I, if they can do it, I can, I can do, do it. it. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of practice and getting there, you know. Man, why aren't there more male singers in this in this scene, man? It's like you. And Milton, he moved, or he's in Jersey now, I think. Yeah. Vuyo's doing his thing. Oh, yeah. Vuyo. Vuyo, he's a beast. Um, I mean, it's such a good question. I mean, hmm. I feel like sometimes there's still more of a cliche that is pressed upon people. It's really about also representation in what you see. Mm. I mean, that's a whole other topic, but if people hear about Ella Fitzgerald and hear about Sarah Vaughn and, and there are more women that might be inclined to want to learn the genre, whereas people, Nat King Cole, Joe Williams, right. I, I feel like they're not as uh, readily known or accessible to the masses overtly as Billie Holiday or something like that. Right, right. And then women, you know, there's not as many women musicians. So a lot of times the ones who love fall into jazz end up being vocalists. Right, right, right. So they're musicians. Um, aside from that, I wouldn't really, I can't really say why there's a, a lack of other male. There were so many back in the day. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. Well, look, if you're a young guy, get on your vocals, man. Hey, <laughs> get on you know, your I'm, vocals. <laughs> just actually don't sing jazz. I wanted to. Oh. Be, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> man, when I was a kid, I, I, my dad was—he's a singer, and uh, I used to always try to sing. Man, I'd be in the car in the back trying to sing with my little sister. She's a year younger than me. She can really sing. Mm-hmm. So I'd be in the car like, yeah, <clears throat> my dad was like, shut up. And, like, and my sister singing, you know, I didn't have that talent, but I always wanted it. 
but I can't. It's not my. It's not my thing, man. You know, I wish I could, cause then I could be out here with y'all, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying. I'm trying to really think. I mean, I, obviously, there's always going to be more female singers in like in the world mm-hmm. than than males. Um, I don't know why there is a a disconnect. Okay. <laughs> man, so you uh, earlier you alluded to like just financial stability or instability as a musician and i think sometimes there's this what i like to call the artist myth is like if i'm an artist i'm gonna be poor but i'm gonna make good music and this and that you know what i mean and i don't necessarily think that has to be true it's just about the story you tell yourself you know and the amount of hustle you have you know right do you do you find your peers in today's scene have that like oh man i'm just you know i'm just poor and i'm just gonna play this horn or i'm just gonna do this and that you know i don't you know the music the peers that i'm around i don't think that anybody is like poor you know what i mean i don't think that nobody is not making a living you know there's a lot of great opportunities out there i will say like when i said i took deliveries i, I was taking deliveries and catering orders but i was you know the reason why I did that, I stopped serving. I had managed a restaurant um, that I was serving tables at a restaurant. And I decided to do this because it better fit my time schedule. Mm-hmm. And I was still getting paid really well for the hour. So it yeah. wasn't. And plus awesome catering tips. But I will say this. like The whole struggling artist to become something doesn't have to happen. But I remember walking some days and like crying to my mom. I remember doing my first album release at Dizzy's and then coming back to work and like, you know, making sure someone had ketchup in their right, bag. Right, right, right. And um, I will say when I did my second album, I had to run to Zara to get a pair of shoes. And I hadn't realized I was right back at Bill's Barn Burger where I used to work. Wow. And I, I'm, I'm not like, me and my, we don't shout, you know, that's not really something that me and my family do. Mm-hmm. And I could have just started, now I, I could have just started just, just jumping around, just thinking about what I did to get to where I'm at. Mm. And then it was such a, a humbling experience. So I forever have gratitude for where I am now. Because I knew I took certain steps that I didn't want to do that were unpleasant to get where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So although I don't think everybody has to experience that, I think it can be humbling and beneficial for you in the long run. Yeah, for sure. So I wouldn't take the experience away now. No, for sure. At man. the time, I was not. You hated it, it, yeah. When I first moved here, man, you know, I, I was playing in Central Park for like six hours a day. Oh, God, <laughs> you did that. Oh, Lord. Yeah, dude. Like, I was like bringing my drums at 5 a.m. because you got to get the spot. So I'm just out there with holding the spot for the rest of the cats. And we would just play all day. But, you know, I did what I had to do. I didn't have gigs. I didn't know people. It took right. time to, to do the thing. But Did you guys make decent money? We made some money. You know, it was enough to get the rent paid. Wow. But you do, you, it was like you do that in the summer to the spring. And that's just what it had to be at that time. That right. was almost six years ago at this right. point. But, you know, thank wow, God I don't have to do that flies. anymore, six man. Years. I know. <laughs> You've been here that long? It'll be six years in uh, December, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, under the radar, man. Yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> just popped up out of the blue. <laughs> like, I want to talk about, like, goal setting. Because, you know, obviously you had some goals if you came from 
managing a restaurant to releasing your first record despite that now your second record which now you don't have to do those types of things right so how do you how do you set goals for yourself and and once you achieve those goals what what are, how do you know what the next step is i mean your goal is to whatever you do is to be invited back whatever that may be that's your first goal and then once you have that you expand upon the things that you already, the relationships you already have to build other ones. Mm. So like, I'm never a complacent person. I'm never, like I'm about to turn 30 and I look back and I'm not, I'm very satisfied and pleased with my achievements in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, but you always want to move for, for example, like I have, I was working with this swing band um, and that was a whole other conversation because it's like it was ma- mostly a w- white male males in this band. Mm-hmm. And uh, although most of them are great musicians and I love them dearly, I felt very ostracized. And I, I just felt like, you know, the only the token, the only person. Right, right. And so I and I realized that we had been traveling and doing a lot of things, but I had reached the cap in this space. So now I'm like, what? Okay, I can either do this and pay my bills for the rest of you know the next five years, right. or I can develop my own thing with my musicians, with more people, more black folks, more you know, more yeah. people that I you know that that I enjoy being around personally and musically. And you know, I took the I took the few good good white dudes. Okay, <laughs> Kevin Collinson, shout out Rob Edwards. Okay, okay, right. Rob Edwards. Um, um. And so, um, basically, what's the next? So I set the next goal. Right, right. That's the next goal. And then some. Now I have to say no to other opportunities mm-hmm. to get to the next, right, the next level. Yeah, base. Mm-hmm. So it's just being strategic. And um, yeah, I set the goal, and then I, this is what I want to do, and then I do it. Yeah. I- <laughs> Set your motherfucking goals. <laughs> Set your goals and then do it. Action. Just action. Last thing I remember a vocalist said me, because I'm, teach, I'm teaching in, I was teaching in France and I will be teaching in France. I'll be kind of back and forth um, with New York City and Paris mm-hmm. um, starting in October. Um, but this vocalist, she was like, so like you're teaching in Paris? Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. She's like, so like how, like do you mind me asking how that happened? I'm like, oh, like, I a friend of mine set up a master class during between two swing dance tours. I set up something in France, uh-huh. so I knew I had that plane ticket to get to New York and back, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I did a master class. The teach the school loved me, and they were like, if you want to come and teach some classes, we'd love to have you. She's like, so you just like up and left and just went to Paris, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, wow, that's so courageous. I'm like. Yeah, I mean, I I never thought of it that way, but you have an opportunity, a window, and now I'm going back, and they're giving me more. You know, now I have we'll have more classes, and right, right, right. so and that's who knows where where that's going to lead? Then, yeah, what I mean, we're talking now. I have you know, I'm teaching improvisation and mm-hmm. stuff, so now I'm figuring out how I transfer my thing. So like, we're looking at you know, after I get more credibility, like. I want to give a, a real book 
a real book right, right, right. as to how to transfer some of this. So they're just like my little, my little guinea pigs. I'm like, let's try this. Let's try this. Okay. This is effective. So that's another thing. I'm not just thinking about this. Now next thing. Okay, what's the next thing? Right. Okay. There's not any really books of substance out there Uh-oh. teaching people how vocalists, how to improvise. Ah, okay. So okay. that would be the next. Yeah. That's dope. Move. Better hurry up and write that for somebody else to. <laughs> they they don't even they couldn't do it. They don't know how to do it. They okay. couldn't do what what my I'm not even gonna tell you what my theory okay. is, but okay, they All wouldn't right. be able to. Well, we'll be looking out for transfer that, that theory. <laughs> Man, what what do you want your legacy to be at at like here? 150 years old. You're about to check out. What is your legacy? You know, the older I get, the more I realize that my purpose here is not only just to sing but to be um someone that helps to move and cultivate culture mm. and so i would hope that people would obviously just love and be uplifted by the music that i brought to the table while here on earth but i would also want people to um understand the advocacy that, that i have been doing for culture for people of color, for people in general, um, and that people like uh, Dwayne Berno, may he rest in peace, and I did Betty Carter, he was like, you remind me of James Moody. And I'm like, I didn't know much about James Moody, but okay. the more I heard, he was a person, like a lively person that everybody loved. Mm-hmm. And, and respected. And so that's what I would want for people to say, you know, he was like a, a cool, uplifting person and, um, and that they had respect for, uh, for me as a human being and whatever I think that I brought to the table. Nice. What, what are you most thankful for? I'm most thankful for you're about to get me all emotional on this freaking thing. <laughs> um, I'm most thankful for my family. Mm-hmm. Um my parents, my little sister, like and then my extended family, uncles, aunts, have just I come from such a wonderful background of people who raise me and still encourage me all the time. Um I think that's why I'm able to be kind of as strong as I believe myself to be is because I was raised to with such support and still have this support. So I'm the most thankful for my family without them. I don't know. Like I would be, I think a completely different person. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, like I said, three generations of vocalists, my uncle, you know, was signed to a major label and you know oh, how that stuff goes, yeah, the business. Yeah, mm-hmm. So I feel my generations and my and my ancestors before, I feel all of them not wait, but just them like uplifting me um to achieve maybe certain heights that they were not able to maybe achieve hmm. or have. Yeah. I like that. That's it, man. Before, but before we go, I do want to give you an opportunity to plug uh, any anything you got coming up, your record, where they, people can connect with you, all of that. 
Yes, Single and in Love is out on iTunes. That's my second album. My first album is on iTunes as well, Dreamers. Um, you can, I'll be at Dizzy's Club Coca-Cola for the late night session this week, including the dance party. I'll be uh, doing Singing with Ulysses Owens' big band this weekend as well for the main set. We're doing an arrangement. We didn't really get it to talk about this, but I just wrote this new song dedicated to Harlem. It's called Harlem, Harlem, Harlem. Okay. And we'll be doing a big band arrangement of that um, this weekend, which I'm excited about. And uh, Charles T3 underscore music, or if you just type in Charles Turner on Instagram, it's a purple backdrop with my photograph. You can follow me on Instagram. CharlesTurnerMusic.com is my website. Cool. That's it. Hit them up. Hit them up in the DMs. Let them know what you think about the record. Buy it twice. And uh, yeah, man. So yeah, there it is. Man, Thank thanks you, for Mr. coming on. Thanks, Mr. Douglas, for having me. I appreciate it. This was a fun time. <laughs> yeah, bro. Later, y'all. If you like what you heard, you know what to do. Hit that subscribe button. And also, don't forget to leave us a review. The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. I'm Darian Douglas, and this is The Working Artist Project. The Oregon College Savings Plan can help you support your kid's future career as a teacher. Uh, airplane driver? Um, no, their career as a hairstyle designer. As a dinosaur doctor? Oh, their future job as a windmill builder. No, an ice cream taster. You know what? We just don't know what they want to be yet. But while they figure it out and dream big, we're here to help you save for what comes next, whatever that may be. Learn more at OregonCollegeSavings.com. The Oregon College Savings Plan can help you support your kid's future career as a teacher. Uh, airplane driver? Um, no, their career as a hairstyle designer. As a dinosaur doctor? Oh, their future job as a windmill builder. No, an ice cream taster. You know what? We just don't know what they want to be yet. But while they figure it out and dream big, we're here to help you save for what comes next, whatever that may be. Learn more at OregonCollegeSavings.com.